0: Our Lady of Grace homilies are brought to you by a generous parishioner who encourages you to join in prayer for mission churches worldwide. Explore the Frontiers of Faith podcast for further insights into these missions. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The gospel of the Lord. So we have a real gift in our gospel reading today. It takes us to the very beginning of the gospel of Mark, in which we have the first words that Jesus speaks in his public ministry. The reason why this is such a gift is that it's sort of his opening statements. The first thing that he wants people to hear in his public presence to them. A sort of statement that sets the tone of his entire ministry. And so what are these words? This is the time of fulfillment, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Very appropriately, Jesus picks up the very same imperative word that was the cornerstone of John the Baptist's ministry preceding him. This word, repent. When we usually think of this word, we usually think of being sorry recognizing that we've done something wrong and being sorry about it. And in terms of New Testament repentance, that's certainly part of it, but it's not the whole picture. The Greek word that is used here means a little bit more than that. It's a word that has its roots in a physical verb, meaning to turn around. So this repentance is not just being sorry. It's a turning one's life 180 degrees, to do something different than what you were before. Right, this shouldn't surprise us too much. We know that all throughout Jesus' ministry, he has a message of radical reversal. Right, you hear throughout the Gospels phrases such as, God casts down the mighty from their thrones and lifts up the lowly. These paradoxical phrases such as, Blessed are you who weep now, for you will rejoice. And woe to you who rejoice, for you will weep. Jesus' message has always been about reversal. And we see the beginnings of it in this call to repentance, this turning around. I think it's important here that we zero in on the reasons that he gives for this. And also, throughout our readings, which all three of them pick up on this same theme of repentance, we'll look at the reasons that St. Paul gives as well. So these two readings in our two New Testament readings. Two reasons in our two New Testament readings. Jesus' reason, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. And then the reason that St. Paul gives, the world in its present form is passing away. This is the time of fulfillment. Kingdom of God is at hand. The world in its present form is passing away. If we put these two reasons together, Jesus and Paul give us this vision of the world that says that our current reality is not long for this world. Our current reality is temporary, and what is coming to replace it, this kingdom of God, is a new kind of world. One that clearly has a different set of rules that necessitates this repentance, this turning around, this change of our lives. Of course, the question that would obviously come next is how does one do this, right? What does this repentance actually look like concretely? What's interesting is that in in Luke's gospel, in a different gospel than we have today, John the Baptist is very concrete. He gives very explicit instructions to people about how to do this. Different people come to him, and he gives different answers based on their station in life, right? Tax collectors ask what they should do, and he says, stop demanding more than what you are prescribed by your job. Soldiers ask what they should do, and he tells them to stop extorting people. And to everybody, he says, if you have two cloaks, give your second one to somebody who has none, and do the same with your food. See what he's doing here? He's preparing people to receive Jesus' message of radical reversal by challenging their expectations the way that they see the world, and asking them to see the world in a different way. Challenging their expectations of viewing the world, viewing life as something about competition, and about gaining more for ourselves and asking them to replace that, to swap that out with a mentality based on giving. In Mark's gospel, the gospel we have today, there aren't such explicit instructions. But Jesus still teaches us how to live this repentance, this 180-degree turning around by his example by what he shows us right after he preaches these first words of his public ministry. Right after he tells us these words, he immediately goes right to the sea and he calls his first disciples. Come after me and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. And here's where we get to the part about this, this reversal, this turning around this repentance that is unique to the gospel and probably the most challenging. What Jesus challenged these guys to do, it was not just to be sorry for their sins, not just to follow after them, but to abandon their career. Here's the challenging part about this, is that this repentance, this turning around 180 degrees, is of course going to involve leaving behind some things, What's unique about the gospel message is it's not just leaving behind what's bad. Part of this message, at least sometimes, is leaving behind also something good. May seem paradoxical, may seem a little unfair. This is a central part of the Christian message. Let's break down the different contexts where Jesus asks of this. asks us to give something good, to let go of something good and not just something bad. The first example I've already mentioned, and it comes from not just Jesus, but St. John the Baptist. In that passage from Luke that we didn't read today, but I referenced earlier, John the Baptist asked these people, if you have a second cloak, give it to one who has none. Do the same with your food. This type of letting go of something good that we own, it is purely for the purpose of charity, purely for the purpose of giving it to somebody who has less than what we have. Is a preparation for Jesus' message that we have a responsibility towards each other, that everything that the Lord has given to us is meant for all and for the good of all, and that we have a responsibility to uphold that. So that's one way. A second way is a sort of giving up things that are good in a temporary manner. And this is displayed very clearly in our first reading with the people of Nineveh. In response to the words of God that they receive, they declare a fast. Their purpose for temporarily giving up good things, in their case, was an expression of sorrow, which is one of the reasons why in our tradition we fast, an expression of sorrow for sin, which is a very, it's a very human thing, really, a very human reaction. It's similar to how oftentimes when somebody goes through a deep experience of grief, they'll lose their appetite and sort of, for a time, lose interest in things that really compelled them earlier. In a similar way, we intentionally and temporarily give up certain things that are good to express sorrow for our sins. Of course, this temporary fasting also has an added layer to it that it's a way of proving to ourselves in a very reverent way that these good things, though good, do not run the risk of having power over us. They don't run the risk, as many good things do, of replacing God and becoming an idol. So we have giving up good things for the sake of others as a gift to another. We have giving up good things in a temporary way as a manner of fasting to express sorrow and to free ourselves from any attachment to these things. There's also a third way in which the Lord sometimes calls us to leave behind things that are good. And this is a much more permanent way. And this is what the apostles show us in today's gospel reading. Jesus asks them to leave behind their career, and they do. Their career as fishermen, which was something good. right? This way of giving up something good that the gospel sometimes calls us to is in the context of vocation. Whenever one receives a call to one's vocation, one's station in life, the particular way in which you're called to live out holiness, when you say yes to this life, it always comes with a certain no as well. To say yes to any commitment involves closing other doors. This is not a bad thing. It's simply how commitment works. And of course, we see here that the apostles are not sad that they made this choice. Even though they left behind something very good, Jesus gave them something better. He asked them to leave behind their lives of fishermen to become what he called fishers of men. Those who would bring people into his church draw together a community that would continue passing on Jesus' message. And that's the thing we always have to keep in mind. In all of these ways in which the Lord sometimes asks us to give us, not to give up, not just what is bad, but what is good. In all of these things, he asks us to give these things up, to leave them behind, always for the sake of something better. Always for the sake of something deeper and more fulfilling always for the sake of drawing closer to the most important and most ultimate good, which is being together with him forever in heaven.